Welcome to the Blister Podcast, a program dedicated to interesting people, the great outdoors, and a bunch of other stuff we like. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Well, in these times that certainly continue to be strange and uncertain, I think that we could all probably benefit from having a bit more Kate Zeleth in our lives. And if you didn't already know this, then you definitely ought to listen to this conversation. Kate is a former ski racer turned big mountain skier. She won the first ever Kings and Queens of Corbett's competition in Jackson Hole in 2018. Then she won it again in 2019. And then she was on the podium again this past season. Kate's filmed with Warren Miller and TGR. She is as fun to ski with as she is to just sit around and shoot the breeze with. And while she's already accomplished a lot, it still seems like Kate is just getting started. So this past week, I caught up with Kate on her birthday, which actually makes this our first birthday edition podcast. And Kate and I talked about skiing and the Kings and Queens of Corbett's comp, We talked about filming versus photo shoots and which Kate prefers. We get her best Marcus Kasten story, which is both hilarious and awful. She shares with us some of her music and podcast recommendations, and we somehow got into food and astrology, too. And so let's go ahead and get to my conversation with the birthday girl, Kate Zeleff. Well, Kate, it's really good to be speaking with you, and especially because it's your birthday. It is. <laughs> well, <laughs> happy birthday. This is, I think, our first birthday podcast. It's definitely my first birthday podcast, <laughs> so we're both in the same boat there. Well, nice. Um, I don't know, in an era of sheltering in place and social distancing, maybe this is like a one of the fitting things one can do on one's birthday? I don't know, record a birthday podcast? I don't know, maybe yeah. we, this starts starts a trend, perhaps. At least we get to chat. Uh, that's nice. I did <laughs> I did maybe break the social distancing rule. I had some, some close family friends over yesterday, and it felt a little socially irresponsible, but I don't know. I had to do it. We made French toast and hung out. It was lovely. So now I'm just totally alone today. So this uh-huh. is nice. I'm glad we're getting to talk. <laughs> Wait, you're totally alone today? You're not totally... That's dramatic. My little sister and my mom went to the store, so I'm currently all alone. They'll be back in like 20 minutes. (laughs) Okay. Wait a second, though. Birthday French toast? I was feeling like a birthday brunch yesterday, it being Sunday and kind of gross weather out. We, Yeah, it was a boozy breakfast, brunch, (laughs) birthday extravaganza, if you will. Okay. Um, I actually love the idea of birthday French toast. I've never thought about that. I've definitely never had it, but it's like French toast is good. I don't have it nearly as frequently as I should. And so I think that should be a proper substitute for birthday cake. Oh, yeah, it's sweet. And being in New Hampshire, it's fitting to have proper New Hampshire maple syrup. And to be honest, I'm more of a chocolate chip pancake type of girl. You ah. can find me eating those like four or five times a week. So I figured <laughs> I'd switch it up and do something a little different. Yeah, I guess it's not a birthday chocolate chip pancake if you eat them that frequently it's kind of my main source of nutrition i love pancakes wow maybe not maybe that's a stretch but i love them (laughs) okay (laughs) um so home for you these days is jackson wyoming but original home is new hampshire do i have this correct Correct. Actually, I was born in Jackson, New Hampshire. So it's always funny ah. when I come home and I talk about Jackson, everyone assume come home, meaning in New Hampshire, everyone assumes I'm talking about Jackson, New Hampshire. So the joke is Jackson to Jackson. But North Conway, New Hampshire is where my family lives and where I grew up most of my childhood hanging out. It's always fun to come back. I actually really like the White Mountains. They're mm. a really beautiful mountain range. And obviously, there are no Tetons, but they've got a special place in my heart. And One of the things I learned is that you happen to be home kind of doing some rehab. Correct. Yeah. What happened? I haven't, I haven't heard this story. It's actually a pretty good story. The video is even better. Um, but 
we were, I was finishing up my segment with Teton Gravity Research, and we had a pretty small window with spring conditions. The snow was obviously doing the the warm up to the maybe freeze overnight, and then just that funky spring condition where you really had to hit the window to have proper snow and light and all these things that matter when filming. And we kind of just had this day and the green light turned on and um, really amazing morning, a ton of lines that I'm really proud of. And I'm excited for you guys to all see in this year's TGR movie. And then we moved down to a lower elevation um, to go ski this line called Gothic Kular, which is in Jensen Canyon. And it's a really beautiful line. It's a mandatory air of 20 ish feet into um, a coolar with just these amazing rock walls that kind of have a Corbett's feel, but it's a skinnier coolar than Corbett's. And long story short, as I exited the coolar, the snow changed drastically. And so I was feeling very com- comfortable with the snow quality. And as I came into the opening of where the coolar meets the the apron, it just changed on me. And I went to take a turn. And as I as I pushed into the snow, it was obvious that the snow had changed and it kind of threw me in this weird tomahawk. And as I was tomahawking, I heard some noises that you don't want to hear from your body and uh, it was a pretty aggressive fall. So as I stood up, I started to do the, the body check of just inventory where I was at, if there was any pain. And um, I've torn my ACL a couple years ago and I know what that feels like. And it wasn't the same the same pain, but I knew something was wrong. And uh, a good friend of mine, Jim Ryan, he was running safety for me out there and he got down to me super quick. And we had about a two mile traverse to get back to a place where, where I could get some medical attention. So kind of just, I looked at him and I told him that I don't think something's right. And I would love to use my adrenaline to get out of here before the pain kicked in. So we did kind of a hustle out of there. All the boys with TGR, I had um, two cinematographers with me and, and they were amazing. Just understanding that I kind of had to hustle and, um, had some funky moments on the boat pack. I like told Jim we had this funny interaction. I've, I've really been pushing my skiing and I've had a great winter, but I think I was tired and I looked at him and I said, man, if this is my ACL, I'm going back to school and I'm going to be a war correspondent. He was like, why is that any better? And I was like, I don't know, dude. It's just what came to my mind. So long story, even longer, I got there and, um, they took a look at my knee and, and very lucky. I'm so grateful, but, um, just a tibial plateau fracture that doesn't require any surgery. So decided to, when that happened and all of the COVID-19 stuff started to kind of create some hysteria with not being able to drive, I bought a plane ticket back home to the comfort of my mother's home cooking and a couch and unlimited ice and a sister that can be my servant. So I'm in pretty good shape over here. (laughs) Wow. Um, yeah, I was going to say like, man, I was going to invite myself over for the like Come on s- over. servitude and, and home cooking. But um, I don't know. Again, social distancing. These are weird times. But uh, Weird times. Yeah. I know I went to the hospital today and you had to stand six feet back and six feet away from the other person and then like six feet in the waiting room and just all these funny things. Or I haven't been home in a minute, so I'm seeing all of these childhood friends that I love dearly and it takes everything in my body not to hug them. So funny times. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff I want to talk about today, so we're just going to kind of get into it. I do want to hear more about this past season of yours. Talk about maybe a couple of the highlights. You know, I'm sure probably somewhere, you know, in the top two or three was you and I actually got to meet, do a little bit of skiing together. So, I mean, I'm sure. Definitely top three. Yeah, top three. Um, (laughs) So that was fun. And actually, I was thinking about it earlier today. I think there was one night where we were going to record kind of a big group conversation, except I think <laughs> that night everybody kind of ended up going pretty big. Yeah, we did. And so probably, I don't know, it's either like the uh, just absolute catastrophe, like that potential conversation is lost to history or it's the best thing that happened to any of us that that, that, that did not <laughs> yeah, get recorded. I think it's kind of a combo, you know, it definitely would have been chaotic, but I don't think, well, the good news is I love Marcus and Connery and <laughs> the reality of getting us all together and doing the same thing isn't that hard, but That's yeah, true. maybe it's for the best. Who knows? I think you would have gotten some gold content, to be honest with you. <laughs> I, I, I do too. Anyway, I wanted to ask you, because you and I haven't talked about it, um, this year's 
kings and queens of Corbett's. Third year, it's happened. You won the thing first year and second year. Correct. Uh, but I was just curious to get your thoughts on this season's comp versus year one and year two. Um, what are your thoughts? I think for me personally, it's um, as far as my thoughts on the comp were, um, there's a lot of different aspects to it. I think the level of skiing and riding this year was elevated. I think the level of production was elevated. I think the whole event went off in, in such a flawless manner. And I'm incredibly impressed by Red Bull TV and the resort and everyone that was involved. And um, I say loaded simply because for me, I'm in a funny place with my career. The first two years, I I really felt that it was my time to prove prove myself as a skier. And, and that's what the comp felt like. It was this opportunity to create a career. And so I had no issue sending off that thing. And um, I was a little bit younger, like, to be honest with you, I think you kind of, as you take slams and as you get older, you kind of prioritize your slams. And, um, my focus this year was very much on the TGR segment that I'm working on. And it was very much on this trip that I had planned to Switzerland, um, to work with a photographer that I, um, have been wanting to work with for years. And that trip fell the day after the Corbett's after party. Um, and this is no excuse at all, but I think I was more calculated in my skiing with this, um, with these other things that were on my mind and these, um, I kind of was prioritizing filming and photos over comp skiing. And I also, to be completely transparent with you, was feeling a lot of internal pressures. I don't think anyone else was really putting pressure on me, but as an athlete and, um, and wanting to kind of put my best foot forward and like give it everything I got. Of course I wanted to win again. I wanted to three Pete. I thought that would be the coolest story. And I just like, I don't know, it feels good to win. So basically I really was struggling, um, not struggling, but maybe facing a different type of hurdle heading into this comp with the pressure I was feeling. And, um, I actually had broken my nose a couple of days prior. So I had like this huge broken nose and black eyes and, um, one of my, I just, I just was in a funny space. And I think as an athlete though, it was a really beautiful learning experience for me on how to handle the pressure of competition and the pressure of eyes on and all of these cameras, like the, the vibe up there is it's pretty serious. There's a lot of cameras and a lot of people watching and all your friends at the bottom, which for some reason you want to impress more so than the, the Red Bull TV cameras. Um, but it was really, really cool. I think on a personal level to watch um, obviously Veronica Paulson is the talk of the town this year with her, her backflip stomp. And, um, that was really cool. Just like everything aside, like I know how she's put everything, like all of her winter was to get her backflip dialed. And I think, um, it's really cool to watch a friend who has such like, I don't know, laid out goals and to see them work and eat crap and stand back up and go out every day looking for ways to mimic Corbett's Kular. And it's, it's a big send. So I was proud of her and female skiing is being pushed. And, um, my mind is always blown by the boys. I think I leave that comp just being incredibly inspired to better my skiing. I'm a kind of a fast big line skier and that comp is getting more and more trick oriented. So I always leave very, um, inspired to dial in whatever I can do in the air, I guess, all those things to answer your question. I was, um, I was definitely a little bit bogged down by some stresses and pressures I was putting on myself during that comp, but all in all, like, as you can imagine, it's just a very powerful atmosphere to be a part of tons of energy and excitement. And, um, it really is beautiful to watch these athletes just push the sport, which is what I think this whole comp does. So, um, Tons of hype. It's really cool. I think it does great things for the sport. Um, I think I personally learned a lot of lessons just as far as putting pressure on myself and performance anxiety and how to deal with those. So I'm grateful for the experience. I think I would handle it a little differently next year and just try to remind myself it's skiing and the, the added pressures don't really help the performance. So um, lots of lessons and yeah, a pretty cool event that I hope continues for years. couple interesting things. I mean, one... I thought it was really cool. I think I have this right. When Veronica was coming in, I think you were the first person running to meet her. 
yeah, I was right down there. She dropped third. So it was just me and another girl. And the backflip was huge and floaty. And not that I didn't think she could land it, but it was still such a shock when she stood up. It was a stomp. It was, I don't know, like I hate to bring like male, female versus like that, any of that in the skiing, but that was a a gnarly big boy backflip, whatever that means. It was a big woman backflip. Like that was the real deal. It wasn't, it wasn't anything that couldn't be competitive with either sex in that competition. And I think for me, I really always am trying to not ski like a girl, but just ski. And, and that's kind of what Veronica portrayed in her backflip. And I also really appreciated her celebrating herself and I wanted to celebrate her as well. Like so many people have celebrated me and my successes in my career. And I think going full circle, especially just being a woman, I think women need to support women. And that's what's so cool about there's kind of a changing of the tides as far as I can gather right now, where women are truly supporting women and all that's doing is pushing our store, our sport. And um, yeah, it's really, I think it's fantastic to watch and it's really important to be a good sport. I've always found sportsmanship to be more important than winning or losing and at the end of the day being a good human is way more important than any trophy on the wall so um lots to say about that but she 100% deserved that crown and it was easy to easy to turn that one over because there's no doubt in my mind she won that competition so my other question is back to this talk of yours about the pressure you were putting on yourself i think i understand that but I also feel like you've laid out a really compelling case where you're like, man, I'm supposed to leave tomorrow to go to Switzerland for this shoot. Um, I don't know. And I've already won this thing. I'm the first winner of this for, you know, that goes down forever. Um, you actually won the first two. But what you're not describing is, yeah, like I felt a ton of pressure year one and a ton of pressure to repeat. So this year was more of a like, I got to just kind of enjoy things. That's not what I hear you saying. No, I'm just such a competitive person and it's not competitive with the other athletes. It's with myself and I've been training really hard and I've been skiing really well. And I think I just want to show that and, um, I don't really know where that stems, honestly, because my, my mom and she's like, couldn't be any more laid back. She really doesn't have a clue what I do, if we're being honest. Like she could not be more <laughs> supportive, but like she doesn't get it. Um, I took her up to Corbett's and this summer just so she could get an idea. And she just asked me why. And I said, I have no idea. So um, I don't know where this pressure comes from. I think, uh, I mean, I have no, no issue saying that I, I enjoy kind of like the reign of the Corbett's comp. Like it was cool to be called the queen and like all these things. And I think it's what kickstarted my career. So there was part of me that felt like I needed to keep the, keep the reign going, I guess is one way to say it. And as you, as you outlined, I could have just like cruised on by knowing that this, this comp is something that I have fun at, but I'm just really, really driven. And, and I have these goals. And one of the goals was to just keep winning this thing. And, um, I'm almost grateful in a way that I don't have that pressure next year if I choose to do it, you know, like it's almost, I get to maybe enjoy it next year and not have that pressure. But regardless of anything, I think I'd still just something in my gut wants to win and, and that's something maybe I should deal with. But yeah, it's always, I've always just really put high expectations on myself and, and just expected myself to perform. I want to hear about your Switzerland trip. Oh, it was such a good time. <laughs> so what we've heard so far is you left for Switzerland the day after Kings and Queens? Yeah. So the day after the after party, simply because I knew that they had a weather window and the reality of running an event at the first end of the weather window is usually a little tricky in our in our sport. And then also, I think it's important to be at the award ceremony regardless of how you did. So the next day I had a flight from Salt Lake to Zurich, but because it was the after party of King Queens, I did the adult decision and bought myself a ticket from Jackson to Salt Lake and then Salt Lake to Zurich just because I felt like driving the day after was a silly decision. Um, grateful, smart, appreciated myself on that morning. <laughs> um, but I was able to go to Engelberg, Switzerland um, with Marcus Kasten um, and stay in 
the ski lodge in Engelberg. And um, it is just the, the coolest community. I think Europe in general, I just really appreciate. I think it's beautiful how the sport of skiing is, is deep within the roots of the communities. And it's very much like a national pastime of most of the countries in Europe. And that's pretty exciting for me being a skier living in, in the U.S. where football or basketball or these other mainstream sports definitely get more attention. And um, just to know that everyone around you understands that passion that you share and um, really lives it, especially in these smaller ski towns. So Marcus and I went over. Uh, Marcus was staying there. He was spending the winter or a couple months um, in Engelberg. And he's been working with Oscar and Endar, who um, I think his work, he's a ski photographer and his work to me is just incredibly beautiful. It's it's different than a lot of the um, ski porn that you may see. I don't really even like that term, but his is more like artistic. It's more he plays with shadows and um, light and, and all these things that all photographers work, work with. But he kind of puts that, in my opinion, at the forefront. And the skier is like this added bonus within a very beautiful frame. And um, I've come to really enjoy the artistic side of skiing. I think it's kept me inspired and it's kept me motivated. The athletic side is what gets me into it. And, and I, um, I love being an athlete and knowing my body and being able to perform, but then having an eye for the more artistic side kind of adds a dimension that keeps it fun and fresh. And so I always wanted to work with Oscar after Marcus had shown me some of the work and, and said he really enjoyed his company. Like, as you can imagine, being with a photographer in the mountains all day, you want to also enjoy them as a person. So um, kind of sparked my interest and we put together a trip to go do some uh, shooting for Blizzard Technica product product shooting and then um, the snow wasn't that great and, the, and a storm came in and Oscar had some availability so I changed my flight and Oscar and I had three really really beautiful days of Bluebird Pal that hopefully you guys will get to see somewhere in the next couple next year or so if it gets published or hopefully I'll get some photos to post on Instagram but um, it just felt good, I think, to get out of the country and, and get out of town. I was, um, this is my first season in Jackson for multiple months. I normally travel, whether it's to compete or film, but I was there doing an all, all Jackson TGR segment as my winter project. So it was my first time really being in, in town all winter. And I didn't realize how much I needed just to get out and not because Jackson isn't great, but because perspective is really important and to go and um, kind of celebrate skiing opposed to it just being this grind that I was doing and um, the the lodge in Engelberg that we stayed at is run by a bunch of skiers and a bunch of friends that I know through competing and just a really beautiful community um, and anytime I get to spend with Marcus is a blast as you can imagine so <laughs> yeah. um, we ate chocolate and drank fernet and hung out it was pretty fun that's pretty good. What's the lodge? Where did you stay? So when in Engelberg, we stayed at Sea Lodge Engelberg, which is um, actually run by a girl that I competed with on the freeride world qualifying circuit a couple of years ago. And all of the employees are pretty diehard skiers and um, younger and fun. And um, I don't know, they have kind of a more relaxed bar setting um, with burgers and they have this fun little thing where for example while I was there Marcus had a burger so it was like the Marcus Kasten burger and it was just so funny but they bring in um an athlete that's either staying at the lodge or um is somewhat of like a famous local or a, a home a hometown legend and they create a burger and there's like this competition where how many burgers are sold and um it's kind of just a bragging rights type of competition but it has a it's kind of the home base for all of the free riders and skiers that are local to Engelberg. So you get a really cool group of people just hanging out and having a beer after skiing. And um, yeah, a little bit hostile feeling in the sense of like, it's not, it doesn't have a hotel lobby and downstairs there's a great tuning room and um, ski storage. And they also have a very lovely dining room that has some of the best food I've ever had. So if you want to step up your experience, they do have, a nicer dining option or if you feel like hanging out you can have a burger or, or a pub fair and it's um, a very small little village um and just a really beautiful spot i actually was there with kind of low snow so i don't know if i got the full engelberg experience but when it did snow it was amazing just the snow is like this crazy density where it just throws up and stays in the air and um it's beautiful with it just it's just different being above treeline everything 
is above treeline. And so you just, and there's couloirs right off the lift. And just, I was lucky enough, obviously to, to be with Marcus, who's been going there for years. And then, um, Johan, who's a blizzard athlete, lived there for 20 years. So he got to show, or I was lucky enough to follow him around. And, um, and then obviously shooting with Oscar, he's got his favorite spots and, um, just kind of, I was lucky to be thrown into a local, like Marcus is super personable dude and social and everyone loves him. So he got to kind of <laughs> take me under his wing and I bypassed a lot of the the figuring out. I think sometimes when you get to a resort, it can be overwhelming, but I was lucky enough to get a little mainstream tour of all the favorite spots. And um, yeah, Europe's cool because you're just skiing along and you can grab espresso whenever you want or like go grab a full meal and I just, I really enjoy the, the laid back atmosphere. And, and that being said, like when it turns on, everyone turns on too, but, um, really special place. I have, I have nothing but amazing things to say about Engelberg. That's for sure. You brought up Marcus. So I should ask your best Marcus Caston story, either from that Switzerland trip or just from this past season. The good news is it's the most recent Marcus story. It's, <laughs> from Switzerland and it's the best. Wow. So yeah, it's a triple, triple whammy, but Marcus and I are like siblings for sure. He's been so great to me just figuring out the ski world and all of its quirkiness. And also he's really good at doing a good job and self-promoting and being successful, but not taking himself too seriously and, and not getting kind of lost in what I call like the Instagram nonsense of all of that we do. And, um, and I obviously think he's one of the most beautiful skiers I've ever watched ski. So the, all those things together, I'm really grateful that we became teammates and just have gotten to know each other on a personal level. But that being said, we took the train. Uh, we had a down day because of weather. And we went down to Lucerne, which is 40 minutes down Valley. And Frank, or he's a, he's a photographer among a friend and other things. But we went down and um, they were having what I can only compare to Mardi Gras. Um, and everyone was super dressed up and there's marching bands everywhere and people are just like partying in the street. And there's confetti everywhere. And we're kind of taking a little, little time out, a little break and we're hanging out by the river and we just bought cookies and we're like laying down this riverbank and Frank and I kind of make eye contact and he's like, you should throw some confetti at Marcus. And I was like, yeah, that's a great idea. And so I'm like picking up all this dirty confetti off the ground and like, making sure there's not glass in it, but like definitely not separating like the duck poop and the dirt and like whatever else is in this confetti that I'm scraping off the ground. And Marcus is like, can I have a cookie? And I'm like, yeah, of course. And he's laying down and I'm like, wow, it's perfect. Oh, no. And so instead of giving him a cookie, I go to give him the confetti. But as I'm like, I swear this Marcus might not agree, but as I'm releasing the confetti from my hand, he opens his mouth. And my hand is like above his mouth and it's this perfect, he like opened his mouth in this perfect tunnel straight to his esophagus. Like there was no teeth or tongue or lips in the way his mouth was fully open, expecting a chocolate chip cookie. But instead I just like dropped this dirty floor confetti down his throat and the poor kid just starts choking. And it's like not that funny at this point. I genuinely am concerned that I like killed have killed Marcus Caston. <laughs> And so I'm like looking at Frank. I'm like, dude, I think he's really choking. He's like, well, you did this. And so I'm like, Marcus, are you choking? And he's like, not breathing and choking, but telling me like shaking his head like he's fine. And I was like, I will like, I will do like, I'm, I'm, I can take this on. Like, if you're really choking, like I got this. And he was like, I'm not choking. And then he just like had to pull the trigger and threw up confetti everywhere. And I felt really, really bad. That's amazing. He kind of had it coming though. You know, like, you know how brothers and sisters are just like constantly like that's kind of our relationship and i feel like for some reason it was just time for me to really get him back with confetti and duck poop the poor kid could not like every time he saw confetti i swear he'd dry heave for the rest of the trip and it would like show up in random places like it was like all throughout his clothing and yeah it was kind of like ptsd every time he saw it he got a shiver and it was i felt a little bad but not that bad <laughs> um <laughs> My God. So I wanted to ask you about filming versus photo shoots, or I guess we would say like shooting for video versus shooting stills. Do you have a preference and why? I think it's really interesting because a couple years ago, if you had asked me 
what my preference was, I would say filming. But then this year, because I filmed so much, I think I found, I found photo to be more fun simply because it wasn't what I was doing all the time. Um, I would say the main differences include just the pace. Um, when you're skiing, when you're filming, you're able to ski a whole line uninterrupted or depending on what you're filming. Sometimes it's like the pow shots and those filler shots, but I would say the majority of time you're able to properly ski a line. Um, it's still a slower pace and that they need to set all those cinematographers need to set up and there needs to be communication and light and all those things. But with skiing, I mean, with photos, it's very much, um, that one turn wonder, like that moment. Um, and I found this year, maybe it was working with Oscar. Maybe it was just, um, me becoming more familiar with shooting stills, but I found it to be more artistic because filming is very much like the athletic endeavor and this like full, like, I don't know, you want your entire line to be really smooth and you want to really ski your best and be on it. And with photos, I feel like I found more of the artistic side of shooting with Oscar. For example, there was one shot we set up and we, and we waited for the shadow to be perfect. And we, and we waited there for like 15 minutes as the shadow moved in and um, kind of working with Oscar or working with whoever else it was, he would give me this frame and he would explain what he was hoping. So I want you to send snow to the right side of the frame and I want you to come through your spray and make a turn in the left-hand side of the frame. And like, I just kind of enjoyed it was, it was more of a puzzle and um, I enjoy rock climbing for that reason. It's like athletic, but also kind of a puzzle in your brain works. And instead of just focusing on making the best turn you can make, you're focusing on a couple other different things. And um, I really enjoyed that. So I think overall I enjoy filming because um, you have to be on it for an entire line instead of just a turn. And I kind of enjoy that challenge, but, um, it also is just so nice sometimes to take a step back and and go with a slower pace of making art instead of this like really hard charging filming. I found this year, like I definitely ate, ate it a lot and was and hitting huge lines and doing all these things that were pushing me. Um, but I found it was almost relaxing to shoot photos. So there's, there's a space for both in my opinion. Do you think, uh, listening to you talk about this, do you feel like you are more a part of the art when it comes to the photo than when you're filming a line? Like, because I, you know, like when you're filming a line, it's like, yeah, better be hard charging, you know, make the turns look good. There's kind of no faking it, but, but it doesn't in the, there doesn't seem to be the same, say, setup. Whereas like when you're shooting stills, you and the photographer both really need to be on that same page. Like you really, you described really well talking about Oscar, like I want the spray over there. It's like, that's not what you're thinking about when you're filming a big line. Is that, is that, do you agree with that kind of dichotomy? I do agree with that. And I also, you kind of touched upon, um, the partnership that a photo, like a photographer and a skier have and, and communicating. So you're not only doing like something artistic and you're also doing something athletic, but you also have to communicate with that person and like throwing snowballs or however, however you like to work in that way. But you really do have to be on your mark with a photo because there's a frame where in film, they can kind of follow you. And as you, as you move, they'll follow you. But, um, I would say you're right. Like it's more, it's, the skiing aspect of filming is more of an athletic endeavor. And then you hand over your work to an editor who then does the artistic part. And with a photo, it's like you kind of are making this art together and and they'll edit it, of course. But that moment is kind of more the, the art. And I would say in a ski movie, it's post um, post post-production that creates the art artistic part of it. I'm curious to ask what you are at present kind of, most interested in or most obsessed with these days when it comes to skiing? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, the thing that I've become really interested in is just the kind of bringing the more artistic side of things into skiing and finding skiing as a more of an art or maybe it's both, but I really, I've never been a very creative person as far as being able to draw or paint. And I found that my creative expression comes from skiing. So I I really like the Crispin Chetlers and, and the Michelle Parkers that create um, these, these art projects that 
their art is just skiing. And so I think those are the things that I'm drawn to the most. And that's kind of what I've outlined in, in my enjoyment with shooting stills or, or filming more so than competition. Obviously, I want to push myself as an athlete, but I want to do it in a very artistic and flowy, beautiful way. So if that works, I think that's kind of what I've been really into these days. I want to just talk a little bit at least about your background. We've covered some of this. For example, we know that you were born in Jackson, New Hampshire. Correct. Okay. Um, But then say again, where did you actually grow up and where are you right now? I am in North Conway, New Hampshire, which sits in Mount Washington Valley. So Mount Washington is the highest peak on the Northeast and it's um, one of my favorite mountains, it's home of Tuckerman Ravine, which is pretty famous. So that always kind of rings a bell for people. And um, I grew up skiing at Cranmore Mountain Resort, which is small family hill. That's probably, a, depending on how far you can hit a driver, about a driver from where my family lives. And um, I grew up ski racing there and very much um, your classic story of the mountain being my babysitter. Um, just i was raised by a single mom who worked a lot and the mountain was a place that I really enjoyed and found my first taste of freedom and speed and independence and kind of just fell in love with ski racing and and took, took what I learned and went away to boarding school. I was offered a, an academic and a sports scholarship to Proctor Academy when I was a freshman and took full advantage of that because the education was next to, it was just the best that I um, had the ability to give myself. And so my mom and I made this decision that I was going to go away to school and chase this dream of, I really wanted to be on the U S ski team. That was my biggest dream and, um, went and ski raced at a high level and actually, um, kind of dabbled with the U S ski team in, uh, 2011. I was a junior and I was skiing really fast speed. So downhill and super G and got invited to a tryout camp and, um, did some NORAMs and speed events and it just wasn't the right fit. Um, for me at that point, um, I wasn't ready to, I was physically ready maybe, but mentally kind of what we were discussing, I've always had the performance anxiety and the pressure piece and kind of cracking under the pressure. So I, I decided just to focus on collegiate skiing, um, and went from Proctor Academy to Stratton Mountain School and did a postgraduate year there and then ski race D1 at the University of New Hampshire and ended up actually blowing my knee out in January of my freshman year. So um, was able to ski one carnival before um, kind of ending my ski racing career. But that um, was the push or kind of, in my opinion, it was a very much a blessing in disguise. I was burnt out from ski racing, but it afforded me my education to UNH and it kind of was all I knew in my identity. So um, the injury was a push to retire is what I call it quit, whatever you like to call it. And, um, I knew that UNH wasn't the right fit for me. So kind of set my eyes on going out West. And, um, I always wanted to be in ski films. I remember seeing Lindsay Dyer in a powder magazine and Jess McMillan and Warren Millers and, uh, kind of just felt that free riding was more in line with my personality being, um, ski racing was very regimented and very strict. And I learned so much as far as, um, discipline and, independence and and as an athlete just making sure that I was constantly in the best shape I could possibly be in and a well-oiled machine but it was hard on me and it was hard on I was so hard on myself and then um racing results are so cut and dry and um even if you got second place you weren't happy and so I kind of gravitated to a more um big mountain I find just a little bit more freeing and like we've been discussing there's a creative aspect which I find really attractive and just a group of people that were a bit more like-minded and um, I don't know, it just felt like a better fit. So moved to Jackson, Wyoming when I was 20 and um, rehabbed that injury and started uh, slowly competing. I did the Darren Wolves Bonsai Tour, yeah. which is, yeah, so cool. <laughs> it doesn't exist anymore, but that was kind of, in my opinion, this underground circuit that gave me that um, kind of that desire to start competing again. I, um, I did our, I did quite well in a, a Darren Rolfe's bonsai tour event and was able to buy a plane ticket. And I bought a plane ticket to New Zealand to go and continue my winter where I entered my first ski competition. Uh, it was a free ride comp and I was able to win. And um, that kind of just allowed me all the, all the entries into the four star competitions here in North America and kind of just started my free riding 
free riding career that way. So you mentioned real quick climbing. What other sports were you into growing up? What else are you currently into? When I was younger, I really enjoyed playing soccer. When I was in elementary school younger, I actually played, um, we had a flag football league and I was the only girl and I was quarterback and I was running back and I loved it. Um, (laughs) absolutely loved it. But as I got a bit older, um, it was still not, there weren't any girls that were allowed to play, um, tackle football, which was fine. And it allowed me to focus on soccer and I was, um, starting varsity all four years of, um, high school and actually really loved the team aspect. And, um, I was lucky enough to serve as captain, which I thought was, um, I don't know, it's a huge compliment. And I, and I like being a leader and I found that, uh, being able to lead like a sports team was really special. And I also being from a ski racing background where all the pressure is on you and it's a, and it's a very personal endeavor. It felt good to have teammates to not lean on, but kind of take those stresses of going into a championship game on together and everyone's kind of in it together. And, um, my coach Carl was a top notch guy and he was, um, a paternal figure and and very guiding and I respected him and learned a lot from him and all the girls on my team. It just kind of was a cool, I remember running sprints and being so tired and probably if I was running sprints by myself, I wouldn't have continued, but you look around and all these girls are suffering by your side and, um, there's something really beautiful in that team aspect. And then in the springtime, I would, um, this is actually kind of funny. Um, I played golf my freshman year. Yes. Um, ah. I still love to play golf. I'm huh. more of like a sundress flip flops, drive the golf cart around, drink greyhounds type of golfer. But, um, I am pretty good with the driver. I can't lie to you. Yeah? I can, I'm like a 280 off the tee if I want. Damn. Yeah. Like more 235, but I can get up there. Um, but so yeah, I, I played golf and then um, there was never a spring sport that really drew me in. So I tried a bunch of different things, but I, I got quite into road bike racing. I love the speed, obviously. And um, I do love the suffering of like those type of activities or mountaineering and kind of seeing how far you can really push your body. And then it turns into how far you can push your mind. And um, it was great cross training for skiing, as you can imagine. Um, that's something I still do today, not the racing aspect, but in the summer in Jackson with traffic being so bad, I find that like my road bike is definitely the quickest commute and it's fun. My favorite thing is I garden in the summer. So I wear car hearts and I try to pass as many people in full spandex as possible (laughs) in my gardening outfit. So that's always a fun one. Um, and then I really would like to get into climbing more, but, um, I've just been so focused on skiing. I, I hope to make time for that. And I've fallen in love with, um, rafting I love being on the river I I like how like serene and peaceful that is and I think kayaking would be something I really enjoy so there's a lot of things on my to-do list I would love to learn to paraglide my dad's a paragliding pilot and uh, we're not super close but I've always admired that um, from afar just because it's I don't know it's flying so there's a lot of things that I'd like to still learn and I hope to make make space for that in the next couple years yeah you have a big to-do list very big. You have no idea how daunting. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, you're 20 years old. You head to Jackson, Wyoming. You start participating in some comps. And then how does this go for you? Um, I would say that uh, just kind of being part of the King and Queens event and Winning that first event gave me kind of some recognition and maybe put me on the map and that got the attention of the right people. And um, Jess McMillan, who has been pretty pivotal in my career, just as a guiding light and um, a mentor, really. I um, She has been filming with Warren Miller for quite some time and, and Jackson was doing a partnership program with them. Every other year they do a Jackson segment and um, she felt that it might be time to pass the baton or however you want to say it to the next generation. And she, instead of taking the segment herself, decided that I was ready to get my foot in the door and she believed in me. And, um, that was a really, really beautiful, um, act on her part. I, I think it's pretty cool to be of a generation where you see the opportunity to kind of like 
pass your legacy on or, or however you want to say it. But I remember Eric Seymour, her husband who works in marketing, giving me a call and kind of asking what my plans were for February. And at this point it was maybe December and just bringing up a few things, but not having anything set in stone. And he was like, well, do you have any interest in maybe like filming with Warren Miller? Like, you're joking? Like, of course I have interest. And, <laughs> um, so he, he kind of brought it up that I was on the table as a potential athlete on their list and that he would be in touch in a couple of weeks. And I remember getting called into the room and him telling me that they had chosen to move forward as, as me being a female athlete and just playing it so cool, but inside absolutely freaking out and like leaving and just calling my mom and, and, and sharing that news with her and being so excited to have this opportunity that I've dreamt of my whole life. And then as like, uh, just with Warren Miller, for example, you do your 10, 10 days or two weeks or however long your filming um, window is. And then you don't see your segment. You don't see any of the clips. You don't see any of the photos. You you're pretty blind as you head into the premiere of what your segment really looks like, which is crazy. It's super nerve wracking because you know that you put in effort and you know that you speed well, but like we were discussing prior, a lot of the post-production stuff is where the creative line comes in or where the, um, the storyline takes place. So I had no idea what we were expecting or what we were going to get. And, um, so I remember seeing that segment and just being really proud of, of what Forrest and Kim and I put together. And obviously Tom Day and, and all the boys that we got to shoot with are, are incredible at their jobs. And Warren Miller has been doing this for so long and they know what they're doing. But, um, I remember being really proud of that and, and deciding that that is what I was going to focus on. And so as I got the call up from TGR this spring, or I'm sorry, this fall, it was, um, it was really, um, filming with TGR was my, my dream since I was 15 years old. And, um, it was really kind of surreal to have that childhood dream come true. And it's something that even to this day, I'm still wrapping my head around when you're, you're living your dream and, and kind of like also, I have this beautiful opportunity of creating my next dream. And, and that sometimes feels almost like daunting and overwhelming, but it's such a gift. And um, that's kind of, I would say the stage I'm in right now is knowing that I've, I really like this filming thing, but kind of deciding what, what that's going to involve evolve in next as far as my career. And um, I'm taking this downtime to, to craft what, what I hope the next five years looks like. And um, hopefully a lot of filming is involved in that five-year plan. It's your birthday, and I should let you get back to just, you know, letting you enjoy your birthday. But um, while you're holed up, as all of us are pretty much holed up, and you are definitely couch bound because you are, you know, rehabbing an injury, I've got to ask you for some suggestions on books or films or albums. And um, one thing that needs to be said. You are definitely worth following on Instagram. One, because you have a lot of funny stuff. But two, honestly, like the music, like I, you have become like a source of music for me. So I was like, I'm curious what else you're into or discovering these days, whether it's books, films, music, whatever. So what do you got? All right. I'll give you a rundown. I wrote a couple things down. So for films, as we're all quarantined, um, I recently watched Jojo Rabbit, which is a satire um, about Nazi Germany, where this little boy has an imaginary friend who's Adolf Hitler, and he is like a young Nazi in training, and he becomes aware that his mom is hiding a young Jewish girl in their attic, and he goes through this like struggle of this moral dilemma, and then he falls in love with this girl and realizes that the human experience is so much deeper than these made up boundaries, but it's filmed in Prague and it's really beautifully filmed, just the color. And, um, I think from just getting involved in ski movies, I've, I've really come to appreciate cinematographers and the work that they do. Cause that's a whole different art that I was, um, not ignorant to, but just didn't realize and just didn't appreciate. So that one's really good. And then an inspiring one is hidden figures. And that's about three, um, yeah, brilliant African-American women that work for NASA during the first, um, moon landing mission. And then um, podcasts. I really love Disgraceland, which is about artists and it tells um, mostly musicians and it kind of tells like the not so polished story. Like the Motley Crue one is insane. Um, <laughs> and you just get to like hear about all these like 
I don't know, all the stuff that maybe got swept under the rug and all those like juicy stories that you're curious about. And um, Ear Hustle is another one I'm super into. It's about um, San Quentin State, you know, uh, I'm sorry, State Prison and the story of the people inside. And um, that's right. It's, I, you know what? I have not listened to that one, but it is. Do I have this right that it's it's put on by inmates? Exactly. There's one inmate and he kind of has um, on good behavior and has been there for a long time. And he it's cool because he's able to discuss all of these um like real life issues of being on the inside, whether it's being a father and, and still being involved in your child's life or just what daily life looks like when you're locked up. And um, I think there's like a lot of lessons to be learned and, and really interesting content there. Um, but yeah, that one's cool. Just um, just like in an educational way. And then so for music, like you were talking about, I've gotten really into like female lyricists and, and female rappers. And uh, I don't know why that happened. I think um, I, I love bluegrass and, and I love like every, like any, any type of genre I really, really like. Um, but as I was skiing, I was starting to try to find music that I think would be cool for edits or for segments within ski films. And I really started to gravitate towards like chance rapper and acid rap and, and like kind of not my classic Jackson foot stomping. I like funk too. <laughs> so it's like, I, I like funk and I like high paced bluegrass. And so I was kind of, I wasn't looking for solely stuff, but a little something different. And, um, some of my favorites are Sampa the Great. She's really cool. And, um, she's really articulate in her rapping. It's not like loud swearing. It's like, I don't know, a lot of, um, really beautiful lyrics and to really great beats. Some of my favorites are final form and, and blue boss. And then, um, yeah, Santa gold and chance the rapper and, and a bunch of, Kind of, I don't know if it's underground. I don't think I'm hip enough to say that, but <laughs> <laughs> just uh, kind of this whole new genre I've broken into that's a little different than than what I get in Jackson. And I just like love the classics. Like I love Van Morrison. And I love Talking Heads. And um, I don't know, it depends on the mood really, but I'm all over the board. I do think music is such a gift, especially during these times of quarantine. Like you brought up an album, just to, to sit down and, and listen to an album all the way through. It tells a story opposed to jumping around um whether it's just picking songs or artists like to sit down properly and listen to an album um yeah it's a whole new experience and i really like graceland by paul simon is one of my mm. favorite albums to just sit through and listen to yeah it's funny yeah graceland one of my favorite albums but it's funny you mentioned van morrison um i have not been i have like i mean granted i guess this is on trend like listening to full albums is not trending and hasn't been right for right. several years. But just last week, I don't even remember sort of what got it started or how it like what prompted this, but I went through Van Morrison's Astral Weeks. Okay. And was just like, God, I remember when I used to do this a lot, you know? Yeah. It's I mean and there's like that movie, what is that movie? Uh, Almost Famous, where yeah. the sister tells her little brother to like put a cam candle on and listen to Simon and Garfunkel all the way through. And it's like, it's totally an experience and it's such a lost art. Yeah, totally agree. Okay, well, that's pretty solid. Oh, you haven't given us any books though. Okay, there's one that I'm reading right now that I enjoy because of my style of reading. And by my style of reading, I mean super ADD. Um but it's called This, I Believe, and it's uh, short stories put together by NPR, and it's like personal philosophies of remarkable men and women is how they describe it. And it's um, a page to two pages of just how someone feels um, about anything they choose. And they usually sh share kind of like real life in the grocery store type of experiences and then kind of push that to a, a broader philosophy. Um, and I just enjoy that. And this this setting of um, you can sit down and knock out a few and then come back to it and knock it. I'm, I've never gotten lost in books. It's something I hope to do during this quarantine, but I, I like books that I can come and go and, and not lose where I'm at. So that one, I've, it's really feel goody too. And it's cool to get different people's perspectives on things and broaden the horizons. So that one I'm really digging right now. I think this is one of the like most fun things of being alive is that I think there's seasons, right? And so it's like, we can kind of have our 
season of music. And it might be down the road where suddenly like the books thing kind of grips you. And then there might be kind of a film season. And um, these things, like they don't have to stay static, you know, and, and um, it, like when the mood strikes or the moment is right, it's like you start exploring a certain medium more. And um, yeah, I think it's one of the best things about being alive. Yeah, it's super cool. And it's, it's awesome. Like I've got friends that can just get lost in books for, for hours. And I, I do hope that I have that season soon because I've never really gotten that way. But um, yeah, there's so many different types of art and film is something that as like a pretty like active person, I struggle to sit down and watch movies. But now that I'm in ski movies, I think, or I'm learning about ski movies and, and all that goes into that, I really, I have far more appreciation for how much goes into creating a movie between the acting and, and everything else. It's, it's really quite the, quite the operation. Yeah, for sure. All right. We've arrived at the point in the conversation where I have to ask you the question, what's the best question I haven't asked you? The best question you haven't asked me. Um, I think as a skier, you did a good job of touching upon like other non-ski related things. I, I've been really like maybe a question that could be asked that wasn't asked is like, what's your favorite thing to cook or to eat? Or I always ask the person, like if you had to eat something for the rest of your life, what would you eat? Um, I'm interested. I also think oh, go ahead. What, what my answer is. Yeah. <laughs> and I also hate that question because I don't have an answer and I go back and forth like nutritionally or like something I could handle for the rest of my life as far as eating every day. But um, I have been cooking a lot and I really enjoy cooking and I kind of enjoy like making soups or I'm a vegetarian. So kind of getting crafty with, um, I really am not a great cook and I stick to pasta and rice, but I'm trying to get outside of those boundaries. Um, and chocolate chip pancakes and chocolate chip pancakes. As we all know, breakfast food is the best, <laughs> but, um, yeah. Ooh, maybe honestly, like real, really, I know it's probably not the most sustainable for nutrition, but chocolate chip pancakes with real maple syrup for and the maybe rest, some peanut butter for the rest for the of the your rest. life. Oh, I don't know. It's so hard. Maybe like blueberry chocolate chips. That way I get a little fruit in there. I love sushi too. <laughs> this has really just opened up a can of worms. <laughs> food. We need to do a whole food podcast. A whole food podcast, especially with, I feel like all my skier friends always have like, well, depends who you ski with, but backcountry snack style mm. and it's funny like Boris Johnson just like will have meat in his pocket like just like cold cuts it's so gross but a lot of like the girlfriends I ski with have like artisan dark, dark chocolate and all these nuts and huh. some of my friends bake cookies or bread yeah skiers love food and snacks so that's always a good one okay so what's your do you have a go-to backcountry snack I am a huge wrap fan like because I think it, like nutrition's important and so I'll, I, I like we'll says have the this, says the person says the chocolate. I know. Yeah, I know. Okay. So I'll make like a. I love cheddar cheese, and I'll do like I ski for this salsa company called Tanayo. It rocks. Check it out. But they make this bean dip, and it's so good. And so I just like put that on a tortilla with some cheddar cheese and a bunch of vegetables. And because it's in wrap form, even if I tomahawk or backslap, it still stays in pretty good condition. Oh, I got it. That's a good one. It's good. Or like the chocolate chip pancake in the pocket. Just depends on my mood. Okay. And then is this, is there anything on top of this pancake when you're taking it into the backcountry? I'm like, are you peanut buttering it? <laughs> no, it's probably just straight up at this point. Straight I up. did have a day that I had some maple syrup on it and it was in a bag and it didn't turn out that well. So I think just staying away from the <laughs> sticky syrup is probably smart. Probably smart. All right. I held you up on the food edition of what's the best question I haven't asked you, but it sounds like you were about to maybe go in a different direction. I think astrology is really interesting. And oh, I was boy. tell you that my sign is an Aries and I don't even know what that means. But then again, it's my birthday. So you already know that if you're tied in, but um, I wouldn't say I'm into astrology, like, but I, but I love reading my horoscope and ignoring it if it doesn't feel fitting and totally listening to it if it seems like it's going to serve me. Um, but yeah, I think asking what your sign is, is just like a pretty funny classic question. So, okay. I don't know anything about astrology and I, I, full disclosure, I probably am a little judgy about it. Fair. It's judge worthy. 
But so, okay, so what are, you're in Aries. What is that supposed to mean? Who knows? Honestly, so... I mean, you're the I, one who brought this up, so I think you kind of have to... I did, I did. Yeah, so yeah. I do know, I do know. You so know. Aries are like fiery and kind of like natural born leaders, but also on like the negative side, maybe like pushy and forward. And I'm like super honest and don't really hold back. Like small talk's not really something I enjoy. And um, I find it funny because a lot of those things ring true. Then again, I have friends that don't play into their sign at all. I think it's just kind of a fascinating concept about like when you're born determines your personality. And I'm not necessarily saying that's true or not. I just think it's funny that there's so many books. And then the second I meet someone that I'm like, maybe attracted to like whether it's romantically or just a friend I I wonder what their sign is and and, like wonder if we're compatible and not that that would change anything um but it's just a funny little social experiment I like to play all right when did when did this start like I'm curious like some people are into this some people are not how long have you like I feel like you're kind of soft pedaling actually your relationship (laughs) with astrology here but um like when did this become an interest to you I remember being maybe a sophomore in high school and I had this like crazy British artistic friend who like probably was a Wiccan, but I didn't know what that was at the time. And we were in her minivan in the Walmart parking lot here in North Conway. And she had this huge dictionary sized book about astrology and the stars and your sun sign. And I think that kind of spiked my interest and I found it interesting and have always like definitely dabbled with it. And then I like found that I had a lot of alone time this winter because I was filming so much. And so I went to bed really early and I was a total, call myself a, a dungeon dweller or a cellar dweller because I live in the basement of this place. But um, I would kind of like play with, um, yeah, astrology and, and numbers. And I have this one friend in Aspen who's super into it. So she'll randomly send me like full moon and Capricorn and what that means for an Aries. And it strangely lines up with what I'm Maybe I'm just making this up, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of this like fun little added twist of life that if you want to get involved in, it's like, I mean, I'm not going to say that I, I follow my, I follow the stars and I, I choose decisions based on what my horoscope says, but it's always funny just to kind of look a little deeper into something and I don't know, a little bit of magic here and there doesn't hurt. <laughs> All right. Well, so I'm a cancer. Okay. So do you have any life advice for me or you know should I uh, things I, <laughs> I should I don't have or... any life advice but I do know I like cancers my mom's a cancer um there you go cancers and Aries actually do get along well a lot like one of my good friends is a cancer and so yeah it's just you guys are like a little bit more chill and kind of like homebodies and, and super <laughs> loving and welcoming and I'm like this like feral aggressive creature so I feel like Sometimes it's like, maybe this is just my mom, but like, she's like maternal and loving and I'm like jumping off of stuff and like making really rash decisions and it's good to have some balance. Okay. Wow. So I'm, I I can maybe claim if somebody asks me, I'm maternal and yeah, yeah. yeah. And you're, and you're feral. And I'm feral. (laughs) Got it. Yep. I've learned a lot. Okay. I'll stand by that. I think that Every one of my friends and our reviewers, um, I'm not sure they would agree with the maternal element for yeah, me. Yeah, maybe maternal is the wrong word, especially for a male, but maybe like caring and compassionate. Those are good qualities. Those yeah, are good qualities. all good qualities. Yeah. Cancers are great. And they're like not sensitive, but like aware. They like feel things where I'm just like <laughs> blind to the person crying in the room. I'm just like still thinking about fiery I don't even know who knows <laughs> you're like stop your cry and pass me another chocolate chip pancake <laughs> and a shot of tequila yeah. yeah that's pretty much an Aries okay I've, yeah. le- I've learned a lot um don't quote me on any of that this is all just hearsay I don't really know what I'm talking about um I think we've really covered a lot of ground here um we've Good. talked about your background we've talked about we probably had a really loose conversation about astrology. Um, yeah. We've talked about feeding Marcus Caston uh, confetti and duck poop. Um, yeah, classic. I think we've really, I think we've really nailed it. Good, me too. That was that was a good use of time. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, thanks for taking the time, and um, you know, and again, 
really happy birthday. Uh, Thank you. In these strange and trying times. Um, yeah, um, it's uh, nice to take a moment to uh, to congratulate your birth and celebrate your birth. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. yeah, it's funny being with your mom on your birthday, too, because you got to celebrate her, too. She's the one that did all the work. She did. Yeah, she, she did. did. Um, well, tell your mom that we all think that she did a great job. And uh, yeah, and uh, good luck with the rehab and um, and the quarantining and <laughs> hope that you are feeling 100 um, percent, you know, by the time we kick off. Well, I hope you're feeling 100 100 percent very soon. But um, Me too. yeah, hopefully we are all at least getting back to a good full season for this upcoming winter. So yeah. fingers crossed. Fingers I've got crossed. I've got faith. Yeah. Well, good. Well, Kate, thanks so much. And um, yeah, look forward to talking to you again soon. Yeah, likewise. Thank you for your time. That's it for this edition of the Blister Podcast. Thanks to Kate for the conversation. And seriously, do yourself a favor and follow Kate on Instagram. That's at Kate, C-A-I-T-E underscore Zeliff. That's Z-E-L-I-F-F. I also want to say thanks to Luke Alley for producing this episode. And as always, thanks to you for listening. From all of us here at Blister, we really hope that you are all doing well, being smart, and taking good care of yourself and everyone else right now. Thanks, everybody. Please hang in there. And just in case you need a bit of extra company this week, as always, we will be coming back tomorrow with an episode of Off the Couch. And then either on Wednesday or Thursday, we will be putting out an episode of Bikes and Big Ideas. And then on Friday, we will be dropping another Gear 30 episode. So that is in keeping with our regular weekly programming. But just in case you were unaware of that and you are looking for a few additional things to be listening to, well, that's the program we're on every single week but this might be a more appropriate time than ever to get your fix. Thanks, everybody. And again, take good care out there.